Welcome to Logical, the legal podcast from the Dubai-based law firm HPL, Yamalova and Plethka and the UAE's first legal podcast. Now today on Logical, this is episode one, maybe even chapter one, in a special series of podcasts where we'll be covering both legal and psychological aspects of a number of very specific topics. Now, more on the topics in a moment. First of all, just let me introduce a very special guest to Logical. Now, Dr. Summer Al-Abd is an Egyptian-British child and adolescent consultant psychiatrist. She's been practicing medicine in the UK since 1985 and in Dubai since 2015. Dr. Al-Abd is a fellow of the Royal College of Psychiatrists in the UK. Now, We've really been looking forward to speaking to you and welcoming you uh, to Logical, Dr. Sama. And it's great to see you here. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. It's a great pleasure being here. Here as ever, our resident legal eagle, Ludmilla Yamalova, is managing partner here at the Dubai-based law firm HPL Yamalova and Plethka. Good to see you too, Ludmilla. Great to see you too and great to see uh, Dr. Sama. I have to tell you, I have a bit of goosebumps um, because this has been a long time coming. We've been wanting to invite Dr. Sama for a very long time because... Um, we believe that there are a lot of very important issues that can be and should be addressed, and in particular, the interplay between legal and psychological uh, issues that matter so much to so many people, not just in the UAE, but worldwide. And uh, I have known Dr. Sama for many years and respect her tremendously and have much regard for her intelligence, but also her warmth as a person. So I'm very excited about today's recording. You and me both. Let's get to it. Now, Dr. Sama, if I may start with you, the first topic and the topic that we'd like to start with is marriage. Huge topic, uh, obviously. I'm hoping we're going to be able to cover the most prominent issues that we see in the Gulf, uh, in this region in particular, arising from the institution of marriage, although I'm sure there's crossover with marriage issues uh, wherever you're from. And I want to start uh, very broadly with what seems like a, uh, a vague question, but if you can narrow down for me on some of the more common issues that you deal with, with your clients when it comes to marriage uh, issue. Uh, of course, lots of marriages do go well, one has to mention that, uh, since we're talking about issues, it, it implies uh, negative things in the marriage, uh, and one of them is, is marital discord, a couple not getting on with each other, uh, and uh, these can be uh, in a mild way or severe way. Uh, other issues are related to the children who might be uh, involved in the marital discord. Uh, and of course, the, the the biggest one is uh, when divorce takes place in the marriage and the couple separate. We're going to be talking about divorce in a, a future chapter, a future episode uh, in some detail. But let me ask you how you normally advise clients when it comes to some of the issues that you've raised there. Um, one has to look at the the issues in the marriage, uh, factors that affect the marriage. Uh, unemployment is one, uh, major life events in the couple's uh, life, including uh, death of a parent or uh, moving countries, moving house. There are major life events in everybody's life and uh, that they can affect uh, one one's individual life and the marriage as well. So it's how to look at these life events and uh, help the person address them uh, so they don't affect their, their marriage as well. You know, one of the things that I we see in our practice, in the legal practice, and I 
wonder how someone in your profession would advise or counsel um, people is um, in terms of marriages. So you have so many, let's face it, Dubai is such a such a mixed community and uh, that's one of the one of the most magical things about this part of the world is that so many of us come from so many different places and we're so intermixed and not just in terms of uh, a society but also families there's so many mixed families and so when you have a family for example that let's say a muslim or an american family and um, that is of muslim religion so they move to the the uae in the US uh, the the marriage would be a civil marriage and um uh, they could be people of faith but ultimately in terms of law and the laws that would apply to them they are civilly married and so now they move to the UAE and um here if there are muslim people let's say the husband wants to take another wife doesn't want to divorce the first wife but um i could see and we have seen this before all of a sudden there's a lot of obviously psychological issues that w- would arise from that for 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 example for the wife who did not expect it and that would not necessarily be allowed in a country like the US which is where they were uh, their marriage was registered uh, so i i'm curious have you seen th- those kinds of cases and how do you advise people to deal with them uh, if you have well thank you that's a, a very interesting uh Uh, issue uh, Ludmilla the, th- the thing is that uh, people who lived in another country and moved to a new country don't are not familiar with the rules and the uh, traditions and the culture as well so that is and, and as i mentioned you know we are all affected by life events and moving uh, country whichever country it is is a major life event and not being familiar with its uh, rules and regulations and legislation is a, a major factor in producing anxiety and worries and affecting the relationship and that's one of the things that we just so often wish that be, perhaps people would come to us a little earlier before the, the problem arises before that sort of an issue comes up and uh, unfortunately in particular i guess perhaps everywhere in the world but certainly in this part of the world people think of of lawyers when you go to them when you already have a problem and um since majority of us here are are expats or foreigners who come from somewhere else it's just it it'd be so valuable to 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 so many to have uh, perhaps sought some advice about just the basics rule basic rules and and laws that apply in this country including cultural principles and uh, guidelines and something that they should uh, manage uh, and 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 therefore manage their expectations uh, but unfortunately all too often people come to us when it's it's too late and uh, i would love uh, and this is so often we i you know we'd love we're only legal professionals but we would love to say well perhaps before you decide to divorce maybe you should go and seek marriage counseling uh, but uh, sadly by the time they come to us i'm <laughs> i think it may be too late uh, but uh, i'm just curious what kind of issues do you see in marriages where you actually that you manage to resolve or help people and and sort of convince them to stay in the marriage uh, versus um, taking kind of the, the impulsive way out i i think you're quite right lubmila you know the uh, that uh, my dream would be to see people being empowered by knowledge prior to the uh, problem happening and seeking advice or help whether it's legal whether it's marriage counseling uh because uh knowledge is empowerment and and helps the person plan ahead 
and be familiar with uh, possible solutions as well. Um, just to give one example, uh, you know, saw so a couple where actually the couple came to see me. That was not in the UAE, but that was in the uh, in another country, where the couple uh, where already uh, the husband had moved out. There were little children. Uh, the school was actually the one referring the children because the children were displaying uh, aggressive behavior at school. And um, I wanted to see the couple. Sometimes parents get quite upset because they think the problem is with the children solely. But the reason why the children were having problems were because the couples were, uh, uh, were separated. They were on very bad terms. They did not talk to each other. Uh, and um, uh, the children were really affected. Now, when I actually interviewed the couple um, together, I realized that mother was, had a clinical depression for quite some time, was never diagnosed. And of course, it, does, it did affect her relationship with her husband um, and with her children. But by the time I saw them, the father had already moved out. He was in another relationship and it was too late to remedy anything uh, except to look at, at how to help the children and help the parents communicate about the children uh, in, a, in a friendly way and uh, organize activities, visits in a nice way. So uh, mental health problem is, is one of the issues, for example. You know, I have to share one case study from my own, uh, my own practice. And it was um, perhaps a, a small success story, but not so much illegal, but perhaps more of a, in your field. I had a client uh, who came to me seeking counsel on wanting to basically get divorced um, and um, and because they had they were having issues with you know, he was having issues with his wife uh, it really ultimately stemming from some of the medical issues uh, or problems that had arisen with their children and so it was putting a lot of strain and emotional uh, taxation as, as you can imagine on the family in general which is understandable but I've known the client for a very long time sort of at a personal level as well so he came to me and sought advice but okay, I, I just can't, can't stand this anymore my wife is too edgy and um, she doesn't work I'm the breadwinner and so now because their son uh, had a, a disability, sort of a, a newly acquired disability as a result of an accident, uh, obviously that changed the life event that you were talking about, Dr. Salman, that, that changed the whole family dynamic because all of a sudden the person, this boy could no longer get around on his own. Uh, so everybody had to adjust and um, the family family's dynamic had to change in order to accommodate this newly disabled uh, child. And so the mother mother said, I, I cannot, I don't want to drive uh, him to therapy all the time. So I want to, for example, twice, three times a week go and to the gym and exercise and and so the husband was obviously quite upset. You know, I'm the, I'm the one working. I'm in, in the office every day earning money to support our family. And you are at home. And this is one of those things that you can't, uh, you can't even drive our son around to daily therapy sessions. And so obviously this was just an example of that. But, um, and so they came to me or he came to me for advice on case. What do I do? Well, why? I'm thinking of divorce, what do I do <laughs> from a legal standpoint? But I just said, okay, so what's, what, what are the most immediate issues? And, uh, and so this was, the driver was one example, believe it or not. And I said, well, listen, can you afford to hire a driver? And said, well, yes, we can, but it's a matter of principle. I said, I understand, but can you afford to hire a driver? Yes, I can. I said, why don't you try to hire a driver and see perhaps because it is such a difficult 
dynamic or, uh, that's happening in the family. Now everybody's sort of depressed. It's like an underlying layer of depression. And that's uh, not my area of expertise, but I knew the person from a personal standpoint. So I just knew the family. And I just thought, okay, well, if you remove this one anxiety out of the family relationship, what will happen? I mean, it was it was more of a kind of a conversation, and it was, you know, sometimes this is why I thought this is a discussion would be interesting because sometimes there's this overplay or overlap and interplay between legal and psychological issues all too often. But that was my advice. It wasn't legal. It was more, hey, listen, as a friend, I'm telling you, if you can't afford a driver, get a driver and see what happens. And I think a year later he came back and he said, listen, you saved my marriage. I am sure, I'm sure there were, there's a lot more complicated than that, but that's just an example of how it wasn't, when he came to me, he hadn't, the relationship had not gotten to the point where it was unsalvageable anymore. But in his mind at the time, he just could not cope with it anymore. And so he could not see the forest from the trees. And so, um, you know, it's, if, if, if only people could come and see, seek advice from whoever. Uh, at the relevant time, you perhaps there's an opportunity for more of these kind of amicable resolutions. You know, look, Millie, you used a phrase there that I was going to come back and use uh, on you there. It's that seeing the forest for the trees. And it, it must be that if you're in, uh, Dr. Sala, a situation where you see no way out uh, and you all you see is the end of your marriage, these are things that you have to deal with. It's very hard to see past, to see that, well, maybe getting a driver in this instance would actually help me. And it's nice to hear that that happens. I mean, it, it always strikes me that if you, Dr. Salah, have to say to somebody, I think it's time to seek legal counsel here, that's a, a sign that, you know, there is a very real possibility that this marriage is going to fail. Do you do that? And if, if you do say, look, it is time to seek legal counsel, at what point, if it's even possible to pinpoint an actual point, uh, would you do that? Um you know, just commenting first on Ludmilla's uh, point, uh, I, I was very pleased to hear, Ludmilla, your holistic approach, because people are people, and they were all a bundle of different things. So uh, when you are dealing with a person, whether it's the, the legal side, you have to apply also what you've very nicely applied, which is uh, being perceptive to the person and other factors to be uh, tackled too. Uh, when to seek uh, legal advice? I think if it's left to, if the couple have come to the stage of really fighting badly about the things, they need to know really where they stand. And, and maybe that will calm things down as well. It doesn't mean that this is the direction it's going to go into, but it will help them to, uh, uh, to see some solutions to, uh, maybe in an amicable way without, without sort of, uh, going into legal stuff mm. but I, I i think knowing what you are what you can and you can't do what your rights are how then it's left to you to decide i still want to have like marriage counseling and go that direction or no i've reached a stage where i want to go the other direction having choices is important uh, for any individual and as i mentioned earlier uh, knowledge is empowering the person to to actually make the right choices as well you know, one of the um, questions that we ponder and, and debate quite uh, heatedly in this office, because we've had a number of cases, and I, I, I'd love to hear your insight on this, Dr. Sama, is about families or marriages where, in fact, the woman is the breadwinner and the father is a stay-at-home uh, figure. 
we've had a number of uh, issues or disputes or, or matters that have come our way in those kind of dynamics where uh, the the father, for example, comes and says things are not working out, or the mother comes. Listen, my husband is, you know, is staying at home too much and not contributing, and it's just. But it's and and because I think, generally speaking, around the world, we used to things being the other way around, where it's the mother that sort of stays at home and the father is the provider. Uh, so, and then you take that and bring it to this region where culturally perhaps it's perceived to be less acceptable. And so we have our own internal debates where still some her colleagues say, well, no, but he's a man. He should go and he should work and he shouldn't be asking or you know, he shouldn't live and expect his wife to support him and the, the kids. So do you see, I guess, issues in these kinds of relationships come to, to your practice? Because we have seen, and maybe again, maybe the ones we've seen, are just too far from being salvageable. But um, and have you seen that kind of just case studies in your practice? Uh, yes, I have. And uh, uh, I've worked in different cultures, uh, worked in the UK uh, and Switzerland and Egypt and now in the UAE. And within the same cultures, there are so many different norms. So within my own culture, for example, the, the Egyptian culture, different strata of the society, um, there are different norms where uh, it is acceptable that the woman is the breadwinner and uh, the man is uh, is is not. Um, and uh, as long as within the couples or within that strata, this is acceptable and worked through. Uh, so issues that do arise or conflicts that do arise are actually looked at and uh, and solved rather than sort of just hidden under the carpet. And not addressed. I think that is quite important to uh, to address. And as we, you know, as throughout the last decade, things have changed tremendously as well. Uh, you see more men pushing the buggy when you walk on the on the street, where it was very, you know, unacceptable or or, or not very frequently done. Um, so things change over time uh, within the same culture, and uh, it's it, one has to adapt all the time. So. We're talking about marriage and counseling and couple therapy. How receptive is this region? And I use the word region kind of more, perhaps uh, more specifically versus the world, but you know, this region because of its own cultural and, and historic and tradition, traditional uh, background. How receptive is the mindset of the culture of this region to marriage counseling? Um, Again, there are the, the different uh, different versions of acceptability of it. It depends on the cultural, the uh, educational, the level of the person and uh, acceptability. So uh, I've seen couples uh, quite conservative actually accepting marriage counseling and coming together and listening when maybe their own parents wouldn't have done that. So it's it depends on the generation as well as the uh the person or the people involved too. It takes maybe longer than longer time in in some cultures for that to happen, but uh, it is happening. Yeah, I've seen it. Uh, people accepting. And it. how to encourage people to see counseling without sort of without feeding into their existing perhaps this stigma of oh well you know, no no we can't go see a psychiatrist or a family counseling that there's there's some sort of a negative stigma that's associated with that how do you deal with that and how do you encourage someone to 
sort of penetrate that and uh, not be afraid and see a professional? I, I think what's important to highlight, and that's a duty of psychiatrists, counselors, not to be judgmental. We're here to listen, to help the person make their own decisions. So it's not uh, about pointing at the person and saying you're doing it right or wrong. It's about giving them, making them actually come up with all the different options, scenarios that will help their problem. Uh, and then they can make their own decisions themselves. People feel maybe more threatened when they feel I'm going to see a psychiatrist who's going to uh, have, a, have an opinion. Uh, and, and that's not what psychiatry is about at all, or the counsellors. It's actually helping the person make and, up their own decision. And how do you educate people that, that this is, that there is a different side uh, to uh, seeking help other than the stigma? I mean, do you provide, do any kind of trainings or educational seminars that would be beneficial for people to kind of, to be on the lookout for for the future? I think uh, we do, uh, I do, for example, lots of parenting sessions and psychoeducation um, because that highlights to the person uh, or to the couple uh, different ways of doing things. Uh, I think psychoeducation is, is really key in people uh, being well educated about uh, the options to choose, decisions to make, and then they can pinpoint themselves to the things that they think they could do better. One of the other case studies I had, it was, I probably shouldn't use the word case study, but a client I had, and it was actually a, a woman that ended up just knocking the door and coming to her office without uh, making an appointment. And she was a woman from the, the Gulf, and um, she was in distress. She was crying, and uh, and they said she really wanted to, to talk to me. I, and so, and the, re- the reason she, wanted to, she was crying and she wanted to talk to me is because um, she had just found out that her husband was cheating. And so, and they were a couple from the Gulf. And uh, so she had just found out that the husband was cheating and she was obviously very upset. And the reason she wanted to see me is because she said she was um, she was driving and she just did not know what to do, but she remembered she had heard my voice on Dubai Eye. And so she called the radio and said, I know that there was this lawyer, Ludmila, and that's basis. That's all she, she, she didn't even really have my full name, but so she blabbered some kind of a, a, a version of my name. And so they told her basically my phone number. So she called, she looked us up and she just showed up at the door. So it was kind of a, a coincidence in a way, but because, but she said, I was driving, I was distressed. I did not know who to turn to. I'm very upset. I had nobody else to call to and nobody else to consult because uh, for her own perhaps cultural um, uh, framework, there wasn't really much of a support network for her to, to tap into. And so she came to a stranger, me. And um, and so they're a Muslim couple. And so she was very upset and she just wanted to to divorce. She said, I, I just want to divorce. And I said, that's, um, I mean, that's your personal choice, but just from, in a legal, from a legal framework, from a legal standpoint, if you get divorced because of the age of the children, uh, he will have, he will be your father, will, or the husband will be the, the legal guardian, and he ultimately can, uh, can have the children and even have the physical custody of the children, you know, in their case. Or, or because the kids were different ages, you know, I said the kids would be separated. And, um, she wasn't from this country, so I said, you know, you could, you wouldn't leave to your country because you don't have a job here. And so here you are, you have divorced but you don't really have your children or you don't have them all together as you wish uh, and you cannot stay in this country because you don't have you you cannot you don't work here and so you'd have to go back to your parents house 
in a different country. And so basically, legally speaking, that's your roadmap if you want to seek divorce. So I said, well, I, my advice is just to see if you can resolve this amicably. Uh, and at least, uh, and even if you decide to divorce, that you do it because she just wanted to go with her guns blazing, understandably, because she had just found out that she was very emotional about it. But so she was very upset and she just wanted to fight. And I said, listen, my advice is you just agree on this, come up with an amicable roadmap uh, so as to, even if you do decide to divorce, so that you have an agreement between you for you to take the children and then have them ultimately, that's what she wanted, just the children to be by her side. So I said, it's so much better to either in your circumstances, perhaps stay married and just come up with some sort of an, an arrangement uh, from a legal standpoint, uh, uh, if you want to have the children, or that if you do divorce and divorce, do so amicably without escalating things because at the end you can really lose the children. Again, that's from a legal standpoint. Uh, so, um, I mean, have you seen cases like that and, and how do you counsel them? Uh, Ludmila, I really like your, your word of uh, roadmap because uh, I think uh, it is so important to, to have a roadmap and to have the choice and to make an informed decision based on all the different roadmaps one can have and, and choose the one that is in the best interest of the person and the best interest of the children. So it's a really nice example of uh, an informed choice being given. Um, the other thing I wanted to comment on is about stigma, coming back to stigma. Uh, we need to remember that there is also stigma in a society. Uh, it's sometimes more difficult to actually disclose things to uh, uh, relatives or members of the family because uh, you worry about that stigma. So, uh, whereas if you go, for example, to a specialist, you know that it's 100% confidentiality with the person, you're going to get advice that is not biased. Um, and, and I think that's why when you said about this lady talking to a stranger, which was you, it probably helped her a great deal talking to somebody who she knew that was not going to make a, a decision or be influenced by other factors related to the family. And she's not being, going to be stigmatized. Uh, so that probably helped her a great deal in actually being able to be open-minded to your suggestions as well. Um, so stigma can go both ways uh, with, with the family or thinking that you get stigmatized by going to a psychiatrist. So I'm not sure if you have heard of a fairly new law that was introduced in uh, in Dubai in particular. It's called the Domestic Abuse Law. And uh, the law is only about two years old, and I'm not quite sure if a lot of people are cognizant or aware of it. But uh, as far as um, we're concerned, we just think it's, it's, a, it's a huge step forward, and it's just a fundamental step uh, you know, pro, you know, in the right direction in terms of allowing people that are still married or still part of the family to now have a legal backbone to rely on to address their issues perhaps through the authorities and not so much um, your lawyers or or psychiatrists but with the authorities who could perhaps step step uh, step up and, and you know protect them uh, and until this law was introduced we were not aware of anything similar to that and yet we've had so many cases in, in our practice where we've had uh, women that come to us, you know, we get beaten by our husbands and we want to get divorced, for example. And so we go to the police and when the police tells us, well, he's your husband. And uh, 
Now there is a law that makes that illegal and then also provides for protection uh, for, um, for, for these people and while they're still married, again, while there's, the family is still intact. Uh, or we've had cases where uh, often it's women, uh, sadly, that, that come and say, well, my husband doesn't give us money or doesn't uh, you know, just uh, or bullies me mentally. Again, this is uh, mental bullying or, um, or financial perhaps deprivation. Is that considered abuse? And I have to tell you, this new law clearly includes all that as, as a wrongdoing or as a wrongful act. Uh, so in other words, under the domestic abuse law, it is illegal and punishable for relatives, for kind of the domestic and the relatives of, the, I think, the fourth degree, to basically abuse each other. Uh, and that includes specifically mental abuse and financial abuse. Uh, now, I don't know if you've seen anything in your practice where people are now aware of it. And I understand that there is a huge gap and perhaps a continuum of time that, that has to take place between the time that the law is, is introduced and the people aware of it and that it's actually being applied or implemented. Uh, but we have already relied on that law, at least provided advice uh, to others um, on the basis of that law. And I would hope that people, as, as, as people have become more aware of it, that they can now rely on it, uh, not just by going to a stranger and, and saying I'm being beaten up or abused, but actually going to the authorities and claiming, hey, listen, this is against the law. I want you to enforce the law. I want you to protect me. So I don't know if you've seen, if you know about this law, or if you've seen perhaps, hopefully, a, a shift in the right direction where because uh, I think part of the mental health issues that we've seen in our legal practice that people think, well, the law doesn't protect me. I, you know, the, the, the authorities here don't protect me. I, I don't have anyone to turn to. And the idea is, in fact, the law does protect them and the law is continued to move in the right directions and progress. And I wonder if you, you see that in your practice, you see that being applied or implemented in your practice and if you see this the, the paradigm shift in people's mental and mental development mental health and education well i mean it's a great step having a legal framework for domestic abuse in the uae and i think that's really the first step and i'm very pleased to hear that this new legislations are all taking place i i think it is important i don't think that to my knowledge, that people are aware of it. I mean, I know I'm in a, I'm in a law office here, <laughs> and I get updated with with, uh, with things uh, uh, from the office. But uh, I, I don't think to the general public uh, that uh, uh, this is the case, and and that's why I really welcome sort of educating uh, people. And uh, as I mentioned, knowledge is power. To to know that this is existing, um, and coming to domestic violence, it, it's a very um, sensitive issue. Uh, and we did talk a little bit about stigma, and I think uh, there is a stigma associated with it in, in lots of other cultures as well and countries, including, you know, it's the fault of the woman, it's she's bringing it upon herself, and, and women might feel guilty that there's something inside them that actually uh, uh, leads to this. Um, and there is a feeling of shame and guilt and not being able to disclose it to family members and even talk about it. So I think we need to have the channels where a woman who's beaten up is able to talk to somebody, uh, 
And I'm talking about here multiple disciplines, you know, trained social workers who are there to help, uh, as well as psychiatrists, uh, uh, counselors, um, to help this uh, group of women to address the issue. But I think, you know, the, the legislation is definitely a huge step forward to actually acknowledge that this is happening. Can I ask you a question about uh, legislation? That's one uh, step forward there that you have both brought up. But there's also uh, been amendments to the laws regarding marriage, the the personal status law uh, I'm talking about in particular. So for for matters related to marriage, all expatriates can now choose the law of the country where the marriage was registered. And I think that's a point really worth reiterating, isn't it? Absolutely. And that goes back to my earlier point that we are such a colorful cocktail of (laughs) cultures, nationalities, religions, uh, traditions, uh, passports and uh, backgrounds uh, that uh, and we see it so much and perhaps it's it's to some it's unexpected but as a law office you actually do see a lot of interplay that's stemming just from that and so because we do a lot of family law matters here and so when you have a couple that comes in the husband has two different nationalities the wife has either completely two other different nationalities or one of the same and another one of a different country and the children have yet other set of nationalities. So, for example, you have a Belgian, a, a wife who is a Belgian and let's say Ethiopian, and a husband who is a German, uh, British, and these are more or less real examples. And the children, American and let's say British. So, in the in the event of marriage one or um, divorce two or or custody three. What law applies? We've got like six different countries and therefore six different laws that may apply. And on top of that, now they're living yet in a seventh, in another country, which is a seventh set of laws that may potentially apply. And so, um, and there have been a lot of, a lot of uh, disputes arising just out of that which choice of law. What, what law do we apply? So, for example, in a divorce, and we can talk about it in our next segment more on divorces, but what law do you apply? So, uh, until recently, the law was, is it the law of the husband? For whatever reason, uh, now, as far as uh, the law was, uh, there's a whole new, we're very excited about this, a whole new set of amendments and new laws on actually we received the copy the official gazette was published um, in november 30th uh, and some of these laws were actually were made effective the time they were written was like back in september so some of these laws have actually legally speaking been in existence for a few months now but one of the changes in the law is the personal status law and in relevant terms now the law clearly provides that and for purposes of marriage it's the law of the state where the marriage was registered that applies to the marriage and similar similarly for divorce uh, and so what does that mean and in particular i know personally and professionally so many couples who for convenience reasons they go for example and get married in sri lanka because it's close by or, or in seychelles because it's close by and it's sort of convenient so now they've got a marriage certificate that was registered in Sri Lanka. So then in the event, so what law applies? And let's say the couple has nothing to do with Sri Lanka, that then they went there on holiday and got married and got a marriage certificate. So, uh, but the law now clearly, so the law is interesting because I think it's a massive step forward in terms of now it makes it very clear and kind of brings this um, 
perhaps neutrality in terms of which law applies. It's the law of the marriage. It's no longer the, the law of the man that applies. Uh, one, and then, um, so which is great because it gives that sort of clarity. But on the other hand, if the marriage uh, was... Was registered in a country, let's say, like Sri Lanka, and the couple has actually nothing to do with Sri Lanka. So, do they know that? Because if they're here registered under the Sri Lankan marriage certificate, in the event of any issues, it would be the law of Sri Lanka that would have to apply to them. And uh, and this is one of the reasons why we wanted to do this podcast and do it now is just to kind of raise that awareness that uh, all those out there who have a marriage certificate perhaps from a country where they got married just for pure convenience and perhaps ex- exotic element uh, in it's important to know that in any kind of personal status matters now it will be the law of where the marriage was registered that would apply so therefore for all those couples uh, who have a marriage certificate from a country where perhaps uh, whose laws they don't want to apply uh, then what they need to do is they need to take that marriage certificate and take it to their own country where whatever that country might be and then ratify it there, basically just kind of a test. And then when they come back into the UAE, they can um, then apply, use that marriage certificate from their home country uh, to uh, to register their relationship and their um, residency here. So that is one law that has been introduced recently, which in uh, we deem as, as legal professionals is a massive step forward uh, and um, and interestingly enough there's another element to that because the law is so specific about which law applies so if we take the example of like, let's say a, a couple American couple that's Muslim before the law the default law that would apply would be Sharia let's say in the, if there is a divorce now as per this law at least as per the language of the law the law that would apply is the law of their nationality or wherever the marriage uh, took place which in that case would be u.s law so the uh, i guess the not the suggestion but the implication of this law is that now even muslim couples as long as they're non-nationals will be able to choose the law which they want to apply through the personal status matters and that's the law in, in marriages and divorces with the, mar- the law of where their marriages were uh, registered, which was not the case before. The, before the default law would be Sharia and there was no option of choice. Now, how this law is going to be applied and enforced yet remains to be seen, but the language in the law is pretty clear, which it now gives the option to, let's say, Muslim couples that come from other countries to choose their own laws. So that's just one example of legislation. The other one, going back to Dr. Summer's uh, early point about the mental health and sort of and the stigma, uh, there was a, a law in the UAE, in fact, many did not know about this, that there was a law that ultimately provided that any kind of physical assault, including murder, that were conducted in the name of, of family honor, uh, and therefore crimes are often... Uh, referred to as honor killings, and that they were considered to, um, to be done under sort of mitigating circumstances, i.e. protecting the family honor. And therefore, they were not punishable. They were the same way that any other crime would be punished, or any other crime like that would be punished under different circumstances. Uh, and so that law in particular is referred to as honor killing. And uh, many people living in the UAE, including myself, I have to admit, we did not know that there was basically a law protecting, in a way, uh, honor crimes conducted in the name of family honor. Uh, now that law has been has been cancelled out altogether, and in fact, so now any kind of 
killings and, and or any assault uh, that is perpetrated in the name of protecting family honor is now treated as any other crime. You know, if it's a killing, it will no longer an honor killing, killing it's murder. And it will be, I guess, premeditated murder uh, and will be penalized accordingly. And any other sort of physical assault uh, conducted again in the name of family honor would be treated as any other crime um, and physical offense and punishable equally as any other uh, as any other felony. Um, so, again, maybe it, I consider from a legal standpoint it's a massive uh, development, uh, positive development, uh, though in practical terms I think many of us did not know about it and it wasn't perhaps exercised or used as much, the previous law. But uh, that's just another example of legislation which uh, I think is, um, is a, you know, should be applauded. Ludmila, um, I think, you know, sitting here in your law firm, uh, it's like uh, being in a in a bakery where everything is coming hot out of the oven, <laughs> and, and I'm sure lots of people are are really not aware of many of the things that you've just mentioned uh, in your talk, which uh, which are really quite important to know. And my my thinking is that it's human nature that we look for things when we need it. So we look for it. We we try to find out more about legislations when we're. Uh, in a position of getting divorced or uh, on the verge of uh, wanting a divorce. Uh, whereas I think it is important that this information actually does reach happily married couples before they get into this. Uh, so they think of, uh, if they're living, in, for example, in the UAE, of uh, the uh, marriage certificate and which one to register with. Uh, but thinking ahead is, is really key in this, rather than trying to find solutions when things are on the verge of breaking down anyway. Uh, Dr. Sami, you're absolutely correct, and this is also perhaps the main reason why we wanted to do this podcast now, because of all these uh, recently released uh, amendments to the laws, and uh, it's it's we we deem it obviously very important, but also in a way, uh, not to sound corny, but as our duty as legal professionals to to, uh, to raise awareness, to educate the public, uh, so uh, we. Uh, we know in, and we have seen the importance of um, of knowledge is power, of how much can be resolved and resolved amicably and efficiently, if only people had the knowledge at the relevant time. So, uh, and that's uh, why we are keen to continue, perhaps, to do more of these sessions with you and and uh, in this forum or any other forum, is just to help raise awareness and uh, educate and um, share war, war notes and stories and with, with that objective in mind. Um, and um, there's a lot of questions because in law, it's, it, it's one thing to publish something and black and white, but it's another thing to figure out what that really means in real life and in practice because there's so many nuances to any one of these cases that we discussed and there's so many different angles. So how will courts actually implement, courts and other authorities implement or apply uh, these laws uh, yet to be, is yet to be seen, but it's absolutely the st a step in the right direction. And as things progress and evolve, I would love for us to continue to have this collaboration so that we can continue to educate and share more hot off the press stories of um, how these new laws are now actually being applied. There's so much more to discuss on the topic of marriage, and we'll come back to some of the things that we didn't get to today. But that's chapter one in a special logical series discussing the legal and psychological aspects of marriage in general here in the UAE. 
Our special guest on this series of podcasts was Dr. Summer Elabt, a child and adolescent consultant psychiatrist. Dr. Summer has been practicing medicine in the UK since 1985 and in Dubai since 2015. She practices at Keith Nicholl Medical Centre here in Dubai and at the Cromwell Hospital in London. Dr. Elabt is a fellow of the Royal College of Psychiatrists in the UK. Dr. Summer, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Providing the incisive legal commentary, as ever, was Ludmilla Yamalova, managing partner at HPL Yamalova and Plethka here in Dubai in JLT. Ludmilla, as always, many thanks for your time. Always a pleasure. And thank you so much, Dr. Summer, for being here, for contributing, and Tim, for your always capable way of bringing us into this uh, otherwise interesting, insightful, hopefully, and fluid discussion. If you have a legal question you need answered in a future episode of Logical, or if you'd like a consultation with a qualified UE-experienced legal professional, you can now WhatsApp us 00971 or you can just head to lylawyers.com and click Contact.